This is Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge on News Talk 770 Radio, Calgary's breaking news and conversation station. There are words that you can say, no problem. Topography! No one has ever gone to jail for screaming topography. But there are some words that you can go to jail for. There are some words that we just have decided we will not say all. Yeah, that's from the uh, famous seven words you can't say on TV uh, routine from uh, the legendary George Carlin, uh, which kind of segues uh, into our next piece here. And an interesting new study on some of those words you can't say on TV. And are they becoming more common in American literature? This new study finds a dramatic rise in swear words over the last six decades in American literature. The seven words you can never say on television increases in the use of swear words in American books, 1950 through to 2008. Joining us uh, for some thoughts on why we're seeing that, what it represents, very pleased to welcome to the program uh, Gene Twenge, who is author of iGen, Why Today's Super Connected Kids Are Growing Up Less Rebellious, More Tolerant, Less Happy, and Completely Unprepared for Adulthood. She's a San Diego psychologist and author. Gene, thanks for joining us here today. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Uh, well, radio's kind of television, so I won't ask you <laughs> to, to list <laughs> off the seven words. I think we have some idea of uh, what it is we're talking about. So well, what got you down this path? So, you know, I've studied generational differences and cultural change for a long time now. And one of the big themes that comes up over and over is an increase in individualism more focus on the self, less on social rules. It's the type of culture that says, express yourself, you shouldn't care what anybody else thinks of you, let's set aside social rules. So I got to thinking, you know, it would make sense in that type of culture if people felt more free to swear. And it's tough to look at that in verbal language, but in written language, you have this great resource, Google Books, where you can search any, any word uh, and its use. Um, back in time, and it does great things like control for the number of words in books, the number of uh, books published in a year, so you can see just how things changed. And that's um, how I ended up looking at um, swear words, form of self-expression, and I needed a list. And um, I immediately thought of George Carlin's wonderful routine <laughs> about the seven words that you can't say. Yeah, and so, well, and maybe it's not surprising. I mean, he, certainly when you look at the time frame, I would imagine that, uh, you know, the 1950s, it's a different kind of world versus the 2000s. So what's changed and how dramatically have things changed? Well, it's been a pretty big change. Um, American books are 28 times more likely to use swear words than they were in 2008, than they were in 1950. And, you know, I do, I do think that that is notable because it really it documents a trend that, you know, with some nice hard data that, you know, uh, people may have, have guessed but may not have realized it was quite that large. Um, you know, plus there's a few naysayers out there who say, oh, things don't really change that much. Things are always the same. You know, people are people. Things don't really change. And this shows a really, really large change showing up in the language we use. Well, it's... <laughs> There's, there's some interesting uh, graphs included in this study. Mm-hmm. Uh, graphs for With each word. interesting words on them. Making, uh, making yeah. those graphs was fun. I'm like, I don't think I've ever made a graph with this word on it. Uh, but it's, it's I mean, it, the, the lines don't look exactly the same for all of them, which I, mm-hmm. I find interesting. Some, you know, I mean, it's, it's very similar uh, for, say, the S word, the F word, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. certain P words. But then there's, yeah. uh, for example, a, a CS word 
kind of compound yeah. word where yeah. the line looks totally different. Yeah. So why, yeah. why do you there's think some... there's these discre- uh, discrepancies? Yeah, it was, you know, some of the most taboo words um, that, that you, know, you alluded to um, show some of the biggest change where they, you know, virtually never uh, used in, in books, like just about at zero during the 50s and 60s, and, and then um, kind of gained, gained some prominence. So I think that's interesting that the most taboo words show the most dramatic change in some ways. So were these taboos to begin with? Is, I mean, is that, is that why? Is it about changing taboos, changing cultural standards? I think that's at the core of it. The core is that there are some cultures that place a lot more emphasis on following the rules of society. Not all those rules make sense. Um, you know, some of them are somewhat arbitrary about, you know, the clothes that we are, are in fashion or the clothes that men can wear versus women can wear and things like that. You know, there's, there's others, though, that make some sense. Um, it's probably good that we uh, know to stop at a red light. Um, that we, you know, uh, treat each other in a way that doesn't make the police show up. So it's all kind of, you know, a matter of um, where you draw the line, that there are some rules that you want to follow in a civil society. But, you know, not swearing is one of those interesting gray areas that some people would say, oh, nope, completely unacceptable. You know, people don't want to hear that. They have a potty mouth. But then there's others who say, no, it's self-expression. It's creative, you know, you can play around with these words, have fun with them, really show, you know, when someone's feeling anger or, you know, in a particular way. Um, and I think that really captures how the culture has changed. It went from a culture that said, nope, this is unacceptable. I don't care if you want to express yourself. Nobody wants to hear that to, yep, that's uh, the way we're going to express ourselves. And if it makes people uncomfortable, well, so be it. But, I mean, here's the thing I wonder, though, because I, I, I mean, I wasn't alive in the 50s, but, uh, you know, you see TV shows from, from the 50s and, and you see married couples sleeping in separate beds. That's what right. was displayed on TV because of whatever weird cultural standards existed. But that wasn't what was really happening in the real right. world. So even though there weren't, you know, we didn't see these swear words in books, does that necessarily mm-hmm. mean that, that people weren't saying them either? Right, and we don't know that, and that's that's a great question. So to kind of think about, well, this is what was in books versus this is might have been, you know, what was uh, you know going on in real life. You know, my my sense is that maybe the change in real life wasn't quite as large, but I think it was still there. I mean, it you know, and up until the 80s or even 90s, there was this idea of like, oh, I can't swear in from in front of a lady, um, and there was this idea of <clears throat> that was just something that. You know, it was all men who did it, and it was a certain type of guy, and only in certain contexts was it acceptable. And it's just become more acceptable. And you look at media, you can definitely see the same thing, that these, these words are still not allowed on television, but on network television, cable, especially yeah. HBO and things like that, totally different story. And that, of course, comes right along the same time. So in that way, we can see it you know, in spoken language as well, that in media it's, it's become, um, you know, more and more prevalent too. Like, I think it was the, the Wolf of Wall Street a few years ago set a record for the number of F-bombs, um, and movies did not used to be like that. 
Well, yeah, not a movie like that, that's for sure. Um, so when we look at this in, in the context then, uh, do, do we see these words showing up in all kinds of different contexts? Are these authors using them? Are these, um, you know, are characters using them? Are these meant to show that somebody's a nasty person? Are these heroic people in, in literature yeah. using words like this? How do we see it manifested? Yeah. Well, you know, the Google Books database is really is really powerful and a really great resource, but it doesn't really show us a whole lot about context. Um, we we do know that um, it, it, it they include both nonfiction and fiction books, and this is a fairly wide swath of books that they they scan in the full text of five million books. So, you know, it's pretty comprehensive. Uh, it's still not all books um, that have ever been written, of course, but it's a it's a nice sample. But it is a little bit dif- difficult to tell, you know exactly in what context uh, these these words are coming up. We just know that they appear in books more often. So in terms of what, what we take from all of this, as, as you suggest in the study, that this uh, suggests cultures become increasingly accepting of the expression of taboo words consistent with higher cultural individualism. And, and you kind of alluded to that at the start. So what, what does this change signal to you? What does it represent? You know, individualism, like any cultural system, it's really a trade-off. It has a lot of advantages, like equality and freedom and self-expression. But it also has to be considered with the flip side of those advantages, things like entitlement, um, people just not thinking about how their behavior influences others. And I think swearing is a really good example of that. You know, it's I, it, on a lot of levels, it, it fits the pattern of you know a lot of things that used to be taboo in society and are no longer. That it's great we have more um, acceptance of people and not. I mean, then that was kind of the theme of George Carlin's routine. Really, it's like, oh, we can't say that word. He, that was his attitude of like, this is silly. And I think that is a very, very valid viewpoint. It's also a valid viewpoint to say, look, if you do this in front of your grandma, you're probably going to upset her. Um, (laughs) And I can completely see both those perspectives from my own life. When I talk to certain friends, I have a complete potty mouth. But then sometimes, you know, you don't want to let it slip around your mom or your two-year-old who's going to walk around saying the word. You know, there are times and places for things. And sometimes... um, that's uh, not really the place to uh, use one of those seven words. Yeah, it reminds me of a conversation. My kids were a bit younger. They're 14 and 11 now, but you know, the older one at one point was asking about, well, what's the D word and what's the whatever? And at some mm-hmm. point it came up, what's the P word? And my younger son shouted out, post office. So that was kind of the joke in our in our house that the post office that's that's a swear word we can use <laughs> a post office. But it but it gets back to George Carlin's point. I mean, it's so abstract. We just we jumble these letters together. They form something pronounceable, and we decide yeah. that that word cuts so deep as as a swear word. It it is odd yeah. when you step back and think about it. Yeah, it it is. And I mean, you know, it again, it's on on two levels. That you know, if if you're saying one of these words in anger against somebody, yeah then what you're expressing is just how angry you are with them, and that gets that message across. But on the other hand, it's fun to play around with these words. It's, it, they are just words. You can completely see that, that perspective, too. Well, it's fascinating. I mean, it certainly it, it illustrates a trend. Whatever people make of that trend, I guess that, that's open to interpretation, but I guess there's, there's no denying yeah. that, that we've certainly seen this shift. Yeah, and I, I wouldn't say it's all good or all bad. Um, I think it's some of both. That's often the way most cultural and generational tra- 
exchange looks. Um, you know, you mentioned my book title at the top there. Same thing. There's lots of good things going on with today's teens, and there's some downsides too. And that's pretty much the way it is for every generation. Yeah, that's a good point. We'll leave it there for now then. Uh, more at uh, GeneTwinge.com, by the way. Uh, thanks so much for joining us here this afternoon. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right, there you go. That is uh, author, speaker, professor, psychologist, Gene Twenge, uh, GeneTwinge.com, T-W-E-N-G-E, and uh, lead author on this new study. Uh, it was just published in... Um, oh, sure, now I just put myself on this. Published in a fancy journal, let's put it that way. Uh, no, it's the seven words you can never say on television increases in the use of swear words in American books uh, between 1950 and 2008. Uh, 2008. Uh, the Sage Open Journal, I believe this is. Uh, so that would be uh, an interesting <laughs> bit of research to be involved in. So we examine trends in the use of the seven words identified by George Carlin in 1972 as the seven words you can never say on television in the Google Books corpus of American English books from 1950 to 2008. We find a steady linear increase in the use of swear words with books published in 2005 to 2008 28 times more likely to include swear words than books published in the early 1950s. Increases for individual swear words range from four to 678 times. These results suggest that American culture has become increasingly accepting of the expression of taboo words consistent with higher cultural individualism. Uh, what's funny, as I mentioned, <laughs> there's these uh, hilarious charts that indicate uh, the rise in the use of these words over time. Uh, like there's uh, MF, I guess. Maybe you know what that, that would represent. Pretty much a flat line right up until the early 60s. Then it spikes a little bit, then it comes back down. So I don't know what's going on around 1963. People were using that word a little bit more. Drops down almost to uh, essentially another flat line. In the late 60s, it spikes up again. Hits a peak right around 1970, it dips, goes up and down a little bit in the 70s. It really tapers off, even through most of the 80s. And then you're not back at 1970 levels until almost 1990. You see a big rise in the 1990s, then it drops off again, and it's kind of up and down a little bit, uh, and then it, uh, then it spikes again. So it's, it's weird, those trends. I, <laughs> I don't know what to make of that. But yeah, you're way more likely to encounter that phrase in a book written in 2008 than in 1950. I mean, that's not a surprise. So some interesting findings, nonetheless. 403-974-TALK is the way to reach us, 974-8255. We're back with more right after this. Afternoons with Rob Breckenridge, starting at 1230 on News Talk 770 Calgary.